Thanks for listening to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. If our message has encouraged you, would you help us spread the word? There are three simple ways you can help. One, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and you'll always be the first to know when we've released a fresh episode. Two, rate the Provoke and Inspire podcast on iTunes. And three, share the episodes that speak the most to you on Facebook, Twitter, or wherever your voice is heard. We're honored to have you as part of our global community. You were called to make the world brighter, to run on the front lines, to cast vision where it had not yet landed. You are not gifted to be a random burst of energy, but a consistent force that enables the world to hear beauty see potential, and write stories in a way that points the world to Jesus. Provoke and inspire. Okay. All right. Welcome to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. We are yet again on location. We are in the middle of our Steiger gathering, and I'm not sure when this particular podcast is going to be released, so this might be super out of context. I don't think it will be. <laughs> it's been an amazing morning. It's been it, really awesome. I don't, I don't think it's going to be out of context. Okay, so it, regardless of what season it is, you know, perhaps the Super Bowl just happened, and you know, go. But Vikings. for some people, they don't know what that means. The Super Bowl. They're like, what is a Super Bowl? Or maybe the world's already kind of come to a crazy end, and like people are hiding in bunkers <laughs> yeah. and listening to the podcast. Oh, and, like, and, really, and this has like, become completely irrelevant yeah, because we're like, in a, we're in a dystopian post-apocalyptic reality. People exactly. are like going out looking for body parts and, to cook. And they're like, wow, this is real, real relevant. Thanks for explaining the barriers to me. Yeah, really. I have no food right now. Yeah, yeah. someone passed me that arm. Yeah, yeah, passed me that arm. I'm just trying to avoid the zombies right now, so thanks for nothing. exactly. You know, we got one old iPod to share between this entire community. And it's almost empty, and we have no way to charge it again. I mean, we're honored that you're listening to us, actually. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so regardless of what sort of reality the world is in when this is released, uh, we are at our Steiger International Center, and this is also the current, currently we're at our Steiger Gathering, and this is a really re- unique time uh, when we invite people from all over our missions world to come together uh, to share both what God has done and what God is doing and will do, you know, Lord willing, in the future. Uh, and it's a super encouraging time because... You can so easily become isolated in what you're doing and, and so focused on your particular part in the ministry that God might have called you to uh, that you forget the incredible family that, that God has called us to here in Steiger. And so it's been a yeah. it's been an encouraging time. So but if we sound a little frantic, a little uh this is like supposed to be a break. So here we are yeah. recording a podcast. And all our friends here, we wanna we have to, we have all these meetings and well, talking I don't really to people. like people that much. So I this know is you don't. Nice that's me. me. That's more me. And then like Luke's got on his little suit and then he spilt like some kind of liquid on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's so it's a bit of... embarrassing, but I don't have time to change. <laughs> there are there are people from like there's like eighty people or so here. It's hard think? to yeah. get in and out of a from... one piece suit. It is. It takes time. <laughs> it takes yeah. so, time. And yeah. Aaron, Aaron makes sure we don't have time in the schedule for yeah, that. Yeah. But how many countries do you think are represented here? I don't know a lot. Uh, over over probably fifteen or more. Yeah, yeah. yeah people least, from uh, Lebanon and Switzerland. 
Kazakhstan, yeah. Germany, Switzerland. Anyway, it's cool. So anyway, that is the Steiger Gathering, but this yeah. is the Provoke and Inspire podcast. Uh, it's a podcast aimed at Christian artists specifically. We want to see Christian artists get outside of their comfort zones, get outside of the church, use their gifts to reach people for Jesus. If this is you, go to comeandlive.com slash well, there's no slash. Just come and live.com and just hit the join button on the main page. There are some slashes, slash yeah, artists. Right. I, I think slash is amazing. Yeah, slash, slash. Didn't you, didn't you just know. see him in concert or who did I talk yeah, to? Yeah, he's a good, you know, I was hanging out backstage. He's a good no, friend, I'm serious. Yeah. Someone I, I, I was talking to me about how great he was in concert. Well, that, that's good. No, wasn't me. Uh, anyway, so that that is our heart. That is our mission. This entire podcast is aimed uh, roughly in that direction. But I would think generally it's more about... The general idea is inspiring Christians to live radical lives for Jesus. And so regardless of whether they're an artist or not, I think this is applicable to you. Uh, this specific podcast is dedicated to a series that we're talking about as it relates to barriers for young people entering into missions today. Into a, And I would say not even necessarily missions, but a radical uh, f- call, a radi- radically following Jesus. That's kind of the heart behind it. David's looking rather impatient across the table from me. <laughs> No, I, I think what you're saying is really intriguing. <laughs> See, I knew it. He has li- very little tolerance for anyone else speaking. No, I All right, it. here I we go. It. It you're good. ready for this, obviously. David's Random Story. So anyway, when I was in, in university... Um, he just waits. He can't I was wait living to... in this... We were living in... I was living with all these guys in this, in this house, and uh, we had a, a guy that lived with us, and uh, he, he, he called himself Chaz... Chastity Shehawk. Oh wow! <laughs> I love how he calls himself that. Yeah. So like, did he, everybody else accept? People him would go that? like, "So who are you?" And he goes, "My name is Chaz Chastity Shehawk." Is there a she- short version of that? Because no, that no. Well, we call him the Shehawk. Okay. The well, she- there you go. And he was a he was a DJ, and uh, he kind of dressed like um, like an old school Native American. With it was you know he looked really cool. The Shehawk knew how to dress. And he also was the most spiritual guy in the house because um, he, sometimes he would just kind of dance, uh, dance like around. A rain dance and then or he'd something? go like, he'd be going, he'd be like dancing around and, and, he'd, and he'd go, oh, oh, and he'd, he'd say, he'd quote something, <laughs> you know, and he'd say, oh, like it says in, in the Bible, and he'd say something, and I'd go, Shehawk, because when you talk to the Shehawk, you would always talk in kind of a hush, the Shihawk, hush, hush tones, you know. Okay, yeah. And I go, Shehawk, where I don't, where is that? And he goes, it's in, ah, oh, it's in James, uh, chapter seven. And I'd go, uh, Shehawk, there is no James, chapter seven. <laughs> and he'd go, oh no, it's a special revelation, oh, a new no. edition. Yeah, the Shehawk was cool, and he had this. He, Wait, you were into the fact oh, that yeah. he? Well, you know, <laughs> I, 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 who might a judge? And then he had this special tongue that sounded like a yelp, okay. yelping sound. Wow. And he was like very, a wolf or something. Yeah, like a wolf. And he'd be like yelping and twirling. And then, <laughs> so then it was when it was in Minnesota. So then you'd have a lot of snow and, and everything. And so everyone was supposed to, in theory, help with certain things. And so the Shehawk, his job was to uh, shovel the snow off the sidewalk. Otherwise, you get like ice on there, and people right. are falling and breaking their legs and and whatnot and, and whatnot. So anyway, so uh, it was snowed, and then uh, we're you know the Shehawk. I'm you know he never would shovel the snow. He didn't want to do it. No, and I and I said, Shehawk, dude, it's you know you're supposed to be like shoveling the snow. I mean that's part of that's your job. And he said, 
yeah, you know, I was getting ready to do it. And I really wanted to do it, but then God told me that I didn't have to. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) So that's it. That's it. That was the random story? Yeah, that's it. Uh, well, the, what's he doing today? Do you know? That'd be I great. don't know. Probably what he's a tax accountant or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he probably he's probably really well, rich. I, that was okay. It was it, to be honest. I, I guess that you set the bar so high with the Indonesian water That's rat. That's right. That I, I knew this was going to be a letdown. They're prob- people are probably listening to it like I don't know a month apart, but that was yesterday for us. So. Well, it was yesterday for us. So for yeah. those of you that didn't l- listen to the first, hey, part I of this thought series, it was pretty good. No, it, no, it was good. Yeah. The name, I, I like yeah, the name. Yeah, yeah, I don't think good. it was super good. Well. I'm just trying to imagine, I mean, what he looked like, you know. The, so would he not have any, like, he had bare chest kind of thing and necklaces? and. No, he had a lot of, like, he lo- he wore kind of like a flowing kind of gown nice. sort of thing with a, lots of a, necklaces. I say bring that back. A gown? Yeah, bring, yeah, kind of bring that back. random story. But anyway, well, there you have David's random story. Hey, you can't hit a home run every time. Yeah, but I got on base with all <laughs> For the Americans, uh, let me think of a European, uh, you can't score a goal every time you shoot. Yeah. You know, and that was uh, that was like a bad pass, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I don't know. I thought it was quite good. You know, it meandered along. Anyway, uh, carrying on. So we are continuing in a series, like I mentioned, that is uh, barriers to young people entering into ministry. Uh, and <clears throat> I was going to say last week, but yesterday, or for however long you are listening to this apart, uh, we talked about some challenges related specifically to the idea that uh, young people tend to not want to commit to something indefinitely. Even the word indefinitely kind of freaks people out today. And it's really more about the short bursts of commitment. Uh, and it's, there's many different aspects about that that we talked about. But one of them was that there is, there's this sense that, that autonomy itself is sort of praised, that it's freedom. It's not necessarily the freedom to choose something to commit to. It's just freedom itself that is worshiped. Uh, and this mentality leads to the idea that, well, I'm not going to commit to anything. It, it's maybe six months at a time, and then I'm free to reevaluate everything uh, and often different particular circumstances are blamed for the reason why you bail from something, but truly it's just a fear of commitment itself. Mm-hmm. Um, David, you, I mean, I don't know if you guys want to summarize anything related to that before we move on, but but that was essentially what we talked about in the first one. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think it was really the key point for me that came across was just how uh, if we don't have an encounter with Jesus, then we will never really get it, and right. we, we won't know how to commit. Exactly. Yeah, and And then actually... The, uh, the lie is that I'll, I, I'll lose some of my freedom if I commit to something when it's actually the reverse. Right. Yeah. It's when I actually discover and am fulfilled and whatever the gift is that God has put inside of me gets released. Right. And so there's so many people, you know, if you want to use musicians as an example, so many guys that never get out of their basement because they're not willing to commit to a band. And, right. And, and so they're always doing their solo thing. and. And whenever it gets there's any commitment involved, they bail, and so they end up just kind of hanging out in their garage playing for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I entitled like that first one, I am for rent but not for sale. And so it's the idea that you can rent me for a little bit, but I'm not going to commit to a long-term thing. Uh, the second one I colloquially termed as I don't do paperwork. Mm-hmm. And essentially the, the more uh, academic way of describing this barrier to young people or millennials entering into missions is what I call the myth of instant specialization. And I don't think this is even necessarily unique to missions, but it's the idea that I don't have to pay my dues. Right. You basically can come in 
with almost no training, no experience, and there's an expectation built in that I get to contribute only in a way that perfectly aligns with my skills, my dreams, and my gifts. Maybe not even your skills. Well, that's, again, very subjective. So to start off, do you guys agree with this uh, statement or this idea, this problem? Me? Well, I... Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I do. I think... (laughs) I I mean... to be honest, I see the root of it of being an identity crisis. I think we don't know who we are anymore. And because of that, we're trying to define who we are. We become this, the, the individualism becomes a huge thing. Mm. So the consumer culture creates this, this atmosphere where there are thousands of options and I have to define myself. I'm the, the one who says, this is who I am. This right. is what I do. This is what I like. And so you define yourself through styles or tastes or what I like. And, and that's what you hold on to. And so if that is what's defining who we are when we come to missions we'll do the same thing or any job or anything we'll be like no this is who i am and if you take that away then i i don't know who i am anymore it's kind of that that um identity crisis i think that's underneath it and so when somebody says hey you need to serve here or you need to do that of course comes in the whole thing of like none of us want to you know shovel snow like the she-hawk or stuff like that but but then i think a lot of it is is our maybe before or biblically even, or in the past, our identities were often a lot more connected with being part of the bigger picture, being sure. part of the community, being part of a calling on my life. And mm. today, that's not what defines my identity. It's like what I consume. It's what I like. It's, you know. I have no idea what that has to do with what... What are you uh, talking about? That well, was I, I, didn't think that, I, I didn't think it was I that think good. You, don't th- you just clearly... <laughs> no, I, I thought, you well, always what is just wait for someone to be identity. done talking so you can come in. It's like, in. give me a break. That has not, nothing to do with it. It's because we don't want to serve. We want to be served. And, and so it's about I, I coming it into a gr- group, Thanks, and I want to be the center, and I just want to eat ice cream. I don't want to do the hard work. And it's, it's, a, it's because of this... This culture that, and it's not a new thing, but it, I'm number one and I should only do what feels good and what makes me happy. When I felt called to missions and God really got a hold of my life, one of the first things he did, he asked me to go on this, this ship and uh, it was an, an operation mobilization ship called the Dulos. And he said, okay, you want to you wanna serve me? You know, I mean, this is what I felt God was saying to me. I want you to be on this ship and I want you to work in the bilge and the bilge is like the sewer of the ship and you had to go down there i I, the guy gave me a flashlight in a bucket and i had to crawl around in this like sewer of this ship and the and it was like really cold the junk that was in there and it was probably really dangerous even i mean not bad to be in there and i had to take this bucket and take this really caustic stuff and throw it overboard and uh, and and God was wanting me. He's saying, "You want to you want to be used." He was testing my heart. Would I be willing to go in the bilge? And uh, I've had a lot of things like that in my life. And I think that the way this is it. If God is going to release me into to my calling, I have to be willing to work, go in the bilge. I yeah. have to be willing to serve. I have to be willing to be under somebody else. You know, I have to be willing to have authority in my in my life. Um, you know, and do things I don't want to do. Yeah, I agree. There's a societal aspect to this, though, which is that we we have now praised the individual. It's all about it's you know you'll see it in sports where it's like some guy will you know the, it'll be the culmination of many many people contributing to a score you know in football right, or whatever, right, right. 
And they'll celebrate by pointing to the back of their jerseys. Like, like they were like, the only one like, that and did often, it. And often it's blatantly obvious that they had a little bit to do with, but not necessarily a ton to do with the I results. Mean, right. And I think that is, is emblematic of what's happening in our society, which is that people come into something like a ministry and the only way that they feel like they're valuable is how am I individually, what is my specific contribution to this how can right. i see and so so what the, you know there's lost this sense of i am part of a bigger machine right. exactly and and my success is rooted and established in a communal definition of success not yeah. just an individual definition yeah. of success and i think what i was saying is if you it's it's natural it's part of human nature to be um like that, like you just described, to, to not want to serve. That's For me, that's a, an assumption, right? So we've got human, uh, our human nature, our human heart wanting to uh, just do what we like and not, and not serve. But we're in a reality today where for people to get to where you were, David, at the point in the boat where you were saying, hey, I, I'm going to um, do this because I want to be obedient to God. Right. You, you, it wasn't because it's like, oh, I love going there and doing this. No, like, I didn't I, want to be in the right. bilge. Exactly. And, I didn't so feel, you, and I didn't feel that was, I was called to be a bilge cleaner. Exactly. Yeah. So you were, you were doing something that you didn't really want to do, and it was against your nature, and there was a right. reason for that. And right. that, I think, is the important point here. It's similar to the point yesterday. If you don't have an encounter with Jesus, you won't commit. If you right. don't have an encounter with Jesus, if you don't understand that your identity is in Him, and that it's more important for you to hear what he wants you to do here and now what is the next step you're calling me to do then for me to try to find my identity in something else where i'm going like oh if i do these things that i like then that's who i am no i am who i am because of him and so what i want and what i enjoy comes second or not at all you know it's kind of like let go of that and look to god and say my i'm in you what you tell me to do is what's right and that that's my motivation to serve or to do something i don't want to it's my it's the obedience to to god and my identity being in him yeah Yeah, and and also being willing to pay your dues right but again i think that's ground grounded in first that encounter with jesus because people you know, you often talk about the idea that Jesus is not a brand. Right. Well, often serving Jesus is just an alternative to working. Right. You know, right, so it's exactly. Not, it's, not, it's not the Isaiah 6 encounter with the Holy right. God, a, an awareness of my sinfulness, a response to worshiping God, and then a hero my send me. Yeah. It's, oh, this sounds kind of cool. Mm-hmm. That right. sounds like a cool adventure. Yeah. You know, you call it, you call it like a, 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 a church-sponsored adventure. Right, right. You know, that's kind of what it becomes. And so mm-hmm. in that context... You know, no one would say you should choose a job you hate that has nothing to do with what you're into. You know, of course, there's a reality of just working for money, but there, no one would say that. You, you know, ideally choose something that that suits you, your passions, right, right. your gifts, right. blah blah blah. But in missions, it's it's a little different than that. It, it's mm-hmm. a little bit of a I surrender, Jesus, use my life any way you want, but. We can't, I don't think you can, this won't make sense to someone before that revelation. Right. right. That's where it has to start, of course. Otherwise, yeah. none of it makes sense. Right. Yeah. So that I think that's a little bit of what we're saying here is that some of this comes from being more influenced by, by the world and, and sort of a pre-encounter approach yeah. to missions. But you then, to have this decision you're going to make, even if you have that encounter with exactly. Jesus, yep. right. you still have to make a decision Okay, I'll do this. Yeah, that's because right. like when I knew that God called me to Amsterdam and to be under this guy in Amsterdam, I didn't have to pray about everything He asked me to do. 
You know, it's like oh, you no, talk to man. people today, yep. and you you they're they're on your team, and you say, "Okay, uh, Billy, I need you to do this," and they go, "Well, let me pray about it," and that's code for Christian code. I'm not going to do anything I don't want to do because they don't need to pray about it. What yep. they needed to pray about is, am I supposed to be under? be in this ministry, in this team, under this leader. Yeah. And if, if I'm not asking him to do something that breaks biblical principle or whatever, they just need to do it. Mm-hmm. And so this guy, he'd ask me to do all kinds of things that I didn't exactly like to do, but I needed to do it because I knew God asked me to be in this team, to be under this leader, even though he, I didn't always like what he said or what he did, but I needed to pass that test. I needed to be willing to do that. Right. And that, I think that goes along with the idea that Anything important in your life, you know, whether it's your you make a commitment to the person you marry, you make a commit. That's not a one-time emotional thing, no, right? Because you can have that encounter, but then that's tested in real life, mm-hmm. right? You know, because often you'll see these people; they'll have these emotional responses to things, and they'll say, "Yes, here am I, send me." But then when when it comes to what what that actually looks like, and it obviously t- often takes the form of for for many years just serving. Right. right, just God saying, "Okay, I heard you. I I, yep. I hear what you're saying. Yep. Let's do it now. This yep. is what this means. This is how this is lived out in practice." And so there is a degree where even post the encounter, there has to be the decision, right? Not the emotion to say, "Okay, I surrender." And in this case, what that looks like is serving this leader and 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 putting my preferences and my interests to the side, and and just choosing to serve regardless of what it is I'm being asked to do. I think a lot of this stuff is that we're talking about in this series is, is seeking to change a perspective on missions, on my, God's calling on my, in my life and how I treat that. And I think for me to change a perspective, I need to feed myself with something different. And we said this a little bit in the last podcast, but if, if my examples and my models are a lot of what's around us today, if my, our models are, I don't know, social media stars or people who right, are just right, suddenly right. doing that immediate success and they're immediately doing exactly what they want to do and, and everybody thinks it's amazing and they're, you know, and it, it's like one in a million that that ends up happening, but then everybody wants to follow that model and do, right. and do that thing. And, we need to be. I think we need to be feeding ourselves with some different uh, models if we're going to be true followers exactly. of Jesus. To start with, of course, the Bible and, and the men of God that we see there that are set up as examples and and what Jesus did. But even in the missions, missions world, you see, we always say this. Like we even with Aaron was saying this this morning. We're an old school mission with with new school um, approaches and. What we mean by that is there are a lot of men of God that we can look to in the past where we see fruit, where we see that people came to Jesus, where things changed, society changed, and we're often ignoring some of those those things that we, we should be, especially talking about millennials, right? We need to, as a millennial, I need to look back and go, what from past generations can I learn? When I look at a man of God who made a true impact in the world, what was it he had? And time and time again, you're an encounter that it was a, a radical commitment, that it was a long-term commitment, and that it was somebody who was willing to do anything. I mean, you take like Hudson Taylor, who's going around the UK calling these university, highly educated people, doctors, engineers, and saying, leave all of that, come to China, scrub floors, let's, re- let's tell people about Jesus in a country that has no Christian witness, nobody preaching. So you had these guys with high education who had spent all their lives and money to get there, and then they're being called to be in China and do something often not at all related to their profession so that Chinese people could could meet Jesus. And those are the models. I think we need to be looking a bit more to some of those models and, of course, to our relationship with Jesus in the Bible. Yeah, and I I think it's really a heart thing rather than the semantics of what someone's doing because you can often tell the difference 
when you're working with someone and it's it's always kind of about their preferences and about their dreams and about their passions. And and it is not as though what we're looking for is we have this sort of sadistic mission where we just want to find people and say, what do you like doing? Okay, you're going to do the opposite of that. You know, it's not, <laughs> exactly. it's not really about that. But it, no. I think God really sets things up that way on purpose because he needs to kind of break something in us. And, and what you find is those that, that commit to that, that have a heart for that, of course, then God does end up releasing them where they're gifted. More than, more than ever, actually. More than ever. And that's the, that is the sad irony. That is the living example of, the, of when Jesus says, if you try to hold on to your life, you lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. It's t- it comes down to trust in God, right? Yep. Ultimately, it says, look, God, I, one thing I often say is people need to have a healthier suspicion of what they think they need or want. You know what I mean? Because often I say to people, well, this is my, they'll say, this is my dreams. These are my passions. And I'll say, how do you know that your dreams or passions are good or are God's? Shouldn't there be a healthier sense of God? I, you know what? I don't even trust that I know what I need. So I'm going to not come into this saying, well, this is what I want. This is what I need. As opposed to just saying, this is who I want to be. You know, this kind of cheesy, but Chip Ingram, a a pastor I really respect says, you should have a to be list more than a to do list. Mm that it should be more about who you want to be. And then out of that, God then starts to move in your life and release you. Um, but it's often that transition from your identity being in who you are in your relationship with Jesus, as opposed to your identity being in what you do and the things that you accomplish. It's that transition that needs to take place. And that transition often takes place in a paying your dues context. Yeah. In a context where for maybe many years... You do something that has nothing to do with what you're passionate about. You're simply there to serve. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, and again, if I, if you, our dreams are normally never right, I don't think. And I, when I think about the dreams I had when I was in university, I am, I am, I thank God every day I didn't get those yeah, dreams. Exactly. I mean, they're so small, so lame. Um, I am so glad I don't have my dreams, and so that's you why would he, be identifying the uh, Indonesian rat, right? Yeah, because you would have been an, an amazing veterinarian. <laughs> yeah, we I, we could talk about that another time. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder when that will come. But uh, no, I mean that's yeah, exactly. why you need to say I don't want my dreams, and then God's going to test your heart. He, he's gonna He's gonna make you do things you don't want to do, probably not always, but usually because He wants to see your heart. And then as you're faithful, as you serve, then he starts to release you into something a million times better yeah. than, your, than what you ever imagined. Because that's what it is. But it's like you said, Ben, by, by losing your life, you find it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, one, just to make it very practical, in terms of the idea of specializing, in terms of the idea of, of doing things that maybe you feel uniquely called to do or are passionate about, how quickly should someone expect to be able to do that i mean there's no formula probably but what is there ever a time when you are fully just doing in the context of a mission are you ever fully just saying i'm only now i have earned the right to only do what i care about or should there always be main should you always maintain this attitude of i'll do whatever needs to be done yes you should always maintain that attitude mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but i do think that though if you're faithful then you get more and more uh released in an area that you've are really called to maybe but i i would say though you don't even know what that is really when you start out right you have this kind of idea about what you should do and all that but um but i think if you're faithful and you're there to and you let god release you you know someone said to me 
your gifts will always make a way for you. So if God has called you to speak, if he's called you to be a public speaker, preacher, that will come. That will happen because yeah. that's inside of you. People, other people will recognize well, that's it. Huge, right. Other, not you. Other people will recognize it, and those those opportunities will start to come when right. people say to me, "I'm called to be a, I'm ha- I'm called to speak to large groups of people." <laughs> and you're going <laughs> and to be like, for any small groups. Yeah, really, exactly. And I'm like, okay, we'll start something in your living room and speak to two people. You know, see how that goes. But God will release you. He yeah. will make a way. He, no human being, no institution will stop you from what God has called you to do if he wants you to do it. And it's the same thing with music. Um, whatever it is, the gift will make a way for itself. And, yeah. it, and you don't have to, like, force yourself on the stage. Yeah. You know, God will will put you there. But you have to have the attitude of, God, I'll serve you. I, I will let you, let, let you promote me, you yeah. know, not promote yourself. I think speaking to our culture today, that's a key thing. I, I think we're confused about how we discover what our calling or our gifting yeah. is. Yeah. I think that um, the culture around us has told us that our calling or our gift or, or even our identity, who we are, is again something that you can just choose as if it's like a consumer thing. Like, oh, I, I like the look of that. I, that's what I'm going to do. And so we're confused about it. That, and that's not how we discover what we're called to do. It's what David was describing is how you discover it. If you don't pay your due, if you don't try different things and are involved in the bigger picture, part of a team, if you're not doing those things, you hardly will ever discover what you're really called to do. And then the worst happens. You've identified this thing because you watch some video someday on YouTube and you thought, wow, that's what I want to do. Or you, you see something, you think that's amazing, and you get stuck in that. Yep. And then you're not doing other stuff. You don't, maybe that's not what you're called to do. Right. And you never see it because you just always focus on this idea. This is this what thing. I'm supposed to do. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You get caught in that. So I yeah. think this is a I mean, very you know, practical key thing I'd love to encourage our, our audience for is, you know, serve, get out there, do stuff, be involved, and ask God to show you what you're called to do. It may not be what you're thinking. Very often it's not what you're thinking it is. And then just connect also to the other point. I think um, with your question, do we always need to, is that how it will always be? Are we always serving in different things? It is not our speciality. And I also agree that it is. And I think one of the reasons why we'd get this false impression that, oh, one day I'll just do what, I, what, I, what, want. I, what I want and what <laughs> I love to, is sometimes in the, the things that stand out or the stories that are told will be those moments of success or those moments of some, something big happened. And we'll get tied onto that and we'll think, I don't know if if you hear like some amazing band tell their story like oh we did this thing and we 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 were preaching to thousands of people or we recorded lots of albums or whatever and you you, you get onto that and you think wow that's what I want to do I'm going to do that but you don't know all the other stories behind it and all the other things that that guy or that group did to get there and so you you have this false impression I think we need to be aware that there's no such thing as somebody who like I'm a Just speaker and all right, I do right. is speak. That right. doesn't exist. No, it really no, doesn't. No, because I'll often, I'll often <laughs> talk to people and they'll say, so what are you, know, what are you passionate about? Like, what do you want to do? And I, I, I can't believe I'm even quoting myself as saying that because it, <laughs> it doesn't sound like me. Yeah. Um, you know, but they'll be like, you know, I, I really just, I like people uh, and I want to travel. Um, you know, I'm not really a paperwork kind of guy, girl. <laughs> You yeah, know, I don't yeah, really yeah, like, yeah. I'm not an office person. No. Not really like a, you know, emails kind of person. I just, no. I just sort of, and I'm like, 
what kind of role just kind of floats around, talks to people, and travels? <laughs> right. I'm like, there is nobody in our mission that doesn't have to do some nitty-gritty admin logistics right. organizing work. And everybody needs to serve. And I've really had this thing lately build up in me that, that we need to establish in people this idea that I serve. Yeah. and Because there's a healthy exercise of serving something greater than you. Um, and and there's there's a real value in that, not only because the mission grows as a result, but because you recognize that it's not just about what you want. Yeah. It's, it's not really about that at all. And, and also, I think that um, a lot of reasons why people don't discover what they should be doing is because they never submit themselves to anyone else's ideas or anyone mm-hmm. else's leadership. And so part of the, the whole paying your dues thing is to allow wiser, more experienced leaders to watch you in action to see where you're naturally gifted and to call you more and more into that. But when we never submit and we always kind of resist and won't ever serve and just continue to perpetuate this myth about who we are, even though nobody agrees and there's no release, then we just kind of stay stuck. But those that I have seen who just say, I'm going to serve. I'll do whatever. Whatever whatever you want, I'm in. Then I kind of look at those people and I say, hey, you know what? Let's let's cut that out because that's not really your gift and that's not really that great. But here, I see that that's starting to happen. Let's find a way to release you more in this. And they say, right. okay, cool. And and that's kind of to me how it works. That is how it works. But again, it starts with with having this this heart that says, I I will do whatever. I I trust that God is good in it. Really, is it so more? Is it so much more complicated than the the whole vine and branch idea? Mm-hmm. That's like a, a vine doesn't produce fruit by by deciding what it wants it just stays connected to the branch yeah trust that god's good and and even if you're in a bad team with a bad leader god's bigger than that yeah and if, and they'll if you just continue to be faithful and and make being with god your priority like you said it, it, you will begin to move in this way you will start to produce fruit because i look at my life mm-hmm. and the things that god has produced in me i can't take credit for it I mean, it was just God did it, and I just responded in obedience to the next thing, and next thing I know, I'm in this position, and it only looks like like a genius plan in retrospect, because it was all God's doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. You look like you were going to say something, David, and then I stunned I, you with my, my whimsy. Well, no, it's because <laughs> because I, I just got a text from Nigel. Oh, here we go. And, um, David's random story. And as you know, Nigel doesn't like to talk a lot, but he does text. And he says yeah. that well, he, yes, yeah, I know and that. he yeah. says that he thought that what I said today was quite good, but he thought what you guys said today was crap. <laughs> well, I just want to say, Nigel, that I, I appreciate your feedback. Yeah, you know, I'm willing to submit myself to Nigel's perception of what I'm good at and what I'm not good That's at. Right. Yeah, I, and I think that is important. Hmm. No, wait, huh? <laughs> Stop it, David. What was that? No, wait, huh? Can we analyze for a moment yes. what this is? Yeah, what no, is he baby, saying? Huh? That's not me. That I, is you. I think it sounds that's like, a, oh, th- baby, huh? No, baby, huh? I, I'm, that's definitely not me. <laughs> it definitely is you. It is not. Well, anyway, there you have it. I, I think this is a great discussion because it can sound on the surface like something very practical, but it, I think there's some deep heart things related to this. And, and I think the consequences are critical because they're... You know, it's the next generation, right? I mean, it's like this God's calling new, more and more people into the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. And I think these are some of the barriers to more workers being sent into the harvest. Oh, it's a huge barrier. Absolutely. So this isn't something... I I, I I mean, how many people do we all know here, the three of us, that have amazing callings on their life? You just can see it. I mean, there's just... But they're not willing to commit. 
Mm-hmm. They're not willing to serve, and and the, and right now they're do, they're just spin, yeah. not doing anything, and it's just yeah. such a they're working at Great such, America, mopping up hurl and lung butter. Yeah, it's just so sad to see that. And so, don't be <laughs> one of those guys if you're listening. Don't be one of those people. Commit, yeah. Yeah. serve, and be and and have those dreams that God wants to give you. Yeah, right, absolutely. Uh, so uh, you can go ahead and go to comeandlive.com for more information on what it is that we do or to respond to what we have said in any way. Uh, provoke and inspire at comeandlive.com is our uh, email address. Otherwise, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. Go on there uh, and, and agree or disagree with the sentiment that what David said was good and what Luke and I said was indeed crap. <laughs> uh, it's Nigel's opinion, but is it yours? Yes. Find out next time Let us on the know. Provoke and Inspire podcast. Peace out. Thanks for listening to Provoke and Inspire, the official Come and Live podcast. To hear past podcasts, go to comeandlive.com. Got a question for the guys? Send it in to provokeandinspire at comeandlive.com.